0: Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve.
1: today for Healing Sunday. You are going to need a Bible because we are going to go through 38 verses. Plus or minus? No, not minus. Plus. But for sure, 38 verses. And I want you to see them. So if you do not have a double-edged sword with which you can stab the devil in the face, then please raise your hand and we will give you one to have and to hold so that you can stab the devil anytime you want outside of church. It's funny because the most uh, dressed up people usually are in the armor of God is Sunday. It's just super hilarious. Like if there's anywhere that you can take the armor off and come and be naked and unashamed, it's here. But this tends to be the day that everybody's like, alright, helmet of salvation and belt of truth and and i got the sword. And so you go to church and you got your sword. And it's like, hey, 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 put that sucker away. You you need the armor out of here. (laughs) I'm not saying take it off. Like, you, you should always have it on. But I'm saying of all the times that you need armor, it's out there. If this is the only time you really need to make sure you got a Bible or a Bible app or whatever, then you are missing it. Because out there, the devil is beating for tailbone all over the world. In here, I'm kind of in charge. I'm kicking him in the teeth. Out there, I'm not in charge. You're in charge. You better get you a sword. (laughs) Amen. Acts chapter 10 is where we're going to go. We're going to start at the top of Acts chapter 10. The context of Acts chapter 10 is, and I know I say this a lot, and if my wife was up here, she'd be laughing at me, but this is one of the most important moments in human history. This is the moment that people like you and I had an opportunity to receive the gospel. And most people don't understand that. Prior to Acts chapter 10... As a Gentile, you were not basically allowed to hear the Gospel or respond to the Gospel. Acts chapter 10 changed all that. (laughs) There are, this, Acts chapter 10 is the reason that you're sitting here. Now, there might be more than one reason, but if it wasn't for Acts chapter 10, you probably wouldn't be here. Because this was the moment. Now, what's really important to understand was that this wasn't a moment like where God changed. Malachi chapter 3 says that I am the Lord, I changeth not. That's good King James right there. You know what changeth means? Change. God don't change. We change. How we interact with each other change. How we interact with God changes. But God don't change. He's been the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're going to end On that verse, uh, later on, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same. He doesn't change. The gospel doesn't change. The covenants changed. I get that, but God didn't change. The way God wanted to deal with humanity, you can see it in the garden, and you can see it even after they sinned. God just wanted to give them grace and mercy, and they couldn't handle it. It's amazing that so many people, they, they cry out for grace and mercy. They just want more grace and mercy And God can't give you more grace and mercy than he's already given you through Jesus Christ. But a lot of people end up like they did in Noah's day. They got tons of grace and mercy, and they're just using it to live lascivious lifestyles. Well, wait a minute. God's not going to send me to hell? No. (laughs) All right. Pour me another one, Bubba. That ain't grace. That's stupid. Sorry if that offends you. (laughs) Don't look at me, and nobody will know that you have that problem. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. When the Bible uses, especially in the book of Acts, it's really important that when it uses "certain," that you need your ears need to prick up because it's highlighting something um, that is monumental. That I want you need to think about this. The the book of Acts is twenty eight chapters long, and it covers thirty years. So it's these are like massive, massive highlights. It didn't cover every single thing from every single person in every little church all the time. Like, And a lot of people think that, well, this is the story of the first church. Oh my God, the first church is only like in the first three chapters, four chapters. The rest of it is all the churches, all over the place, everywhere. There is a ton, ton, ton of stuff that's going on. And so when it says in the book of Acts, certain, you need to be like, oh. This was like a moment that God super highlighted to make sure that we got it and got the revelation of it. There was a certain man in Caesarea, and his name was Cornelius, and Cornelius was a centurion of the Italian band, the which is not like the Beatles. It was it was a group of soldiers highly regarded. They were the Italian soldiers of Rome. They were Romans and Italians, and they were the ones. You could say it like this way, like, they were like uh, special forces, black ops number one. They were like SEAL Team 6. These were the guys. If you wanted to talk to anybody about what was going on as a centurion in Rome, you went to one of the Italian men. So I'm I'm saying that to say, like, he, he had a right to have kind of his own notoriety to be like the guy. He didn't need all this Christianity stuff because he was honored and loved and respected and feared and all the stuff that most people are looking for, he had all that. And the next verse says, a devout man, one that feared God, Gave much alms, and prayed. There's four specific characteristics of this man that are highlighted right here, and it's not by accident. Please, when you're reading the Bible, hear the fact that God had to get 6,000 years of human history and 6,000 years of potential revelation, He had to get it to you in just a few pages of one book. There is a ton more going on in your lap than just paper and ink. A devout man. In the Greek it means pious. And I know we use the word pious to basically make fun of people. What you use as a punchline to the joke, God looks at and honors. Piousness to God. Correct piousness, not A Bible thumper who's a jerk. But actual godly piousness is something that God regards highly. Because people aren't that way. Feared God. There is, I think, four times just in these few few verses that we're going to read, there are four times that different people at different times are referred to as fearing God. This is another thing I can't spend time on. And I'm sorry. So I'm, I'm just going to kind of drop the bomb and move on. There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. Okay? And Jesus feared God. Hebrews chapter uh, 5. So is that contradictory? It depends on how you understand fear. You know, the reason it's using the term fear is because the amount, the type, the depth, the quality of reverence and awe can only be equated to what happens to a person gripped in fear. The word in the Greek for fear is phobia, is phobias or something like that. It's where we get the word phobia. You know what a phobia is? That's like, you know, you're scared of a tight span. Like, I've seen people with actual legitimate phobias, and it'll mess with you. Why does the Bible use fear of God when when that kind of fear is so terrible because this kind of reverence and awe for God... What fear does to you in the negative, reverence and awe for God should do for you in the positive. Amen. Man, I, I, I can't preach on this. I'd love to. But if we had just a smidge more fear of God in the body of Christ, the world would bow at our feet. But because we'd have no honor, no awe, no reverence, you can see it. I mean, we are a wheels off, crazy, spirit filled, whacked out, what, anti government hates us, whatever church. And even in here, people struggle to worship and praise God. And I I'm not picking on nobody, okay? I'm not, okay, if that's you, get over it. But I'm saying, like, even in this environment, while you're standing in a room with 50 other people that are worshiping God with their hands raised, you're going to be like, I'm not going to do all that. That's all like worship God in the physical body, like creepy. It's because you don't awe and reverence God. What He's done in your life hasn't shaken you to your core. It hasn't like, man, I I can't preach on this. If, like, for example, in sexuality, like, if people honored God, if they had a fear of God, it wouldn't be on the plate to whether you're going to live pure or not. It wouldn't be on the plate if you actually knew that the creator of the universe has asked you to keep your body for him. You, you wouldn't say, well, I guess I'll decide whether I'm gonna get drunk and sleep with this person. It's not your body. It ain't yours. It was bought by Him in blood. It ain't yours. You don't get the choice. You get the choice, but you don't get the choice if you fear Him. It's the same thing with any of you that are struggling with addiction. This will solve it. You don't get to put that in Jesus' body. This is Jesus' body. He doesn't want your heroin. You can fear God and actually keep yourself from all the things that the enemy wants to do. Hey, why don't you go and, whoa, 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 the creator of the universe has asked me to act a certain way. I'm sorry, Mr. Double, but I'm not going down that road. But we've complicated it because we've lost a fear of God. He's just like, hey, it's the, it's the big guy upstairs. If you say that in my presence... You better hope K's with me. (laughs) It ain't the big guy upstairs. It's the creator of the universe. Who is so far beyond your imagination, your understanding, your capacity to even understand who He is. And yet He bowed Himself and became an infant and took on flesh and came to purchase you. And then you're going to call Him the big guy upstairs? Or slap your own mouth. He is God. And worthy of every ounce of honor, respect, and value you can ever come up with in all of eternity. When the angels created by him that have lived with him for eternity past come into the throne room and they see Jesus. It says that even the elders, it says they fall on their knees and they throw their crowns on them. They say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty who was, it is, it is to come. And then they're like, oh my gosh, and they pull themselves together. And then, and then they look at them again and they say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That's what happens in heaven. Read it. Revelation chapter four. It happens. It's happening right now. In heaven, they're circling the throne and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. It's like they circle the throne and then they see something new about Jesus. They're like, oh my gosh, holy, you're so holy. You're so God. And we're all like, ah, God, going to go to the church and do the God thing. Oh God, did you see that car? (sighs) Woo! Come on now. Four characteristics of Cornelius. One of them was he feared God. His reverence, his awe, his respect, and his honor for God was renown. It wouldn't be a bad thing for us to be renowned for. With all his house, his honor, value, respect, love, appreciation for God wasn't just a personal relationship. You lived in Cornelius' house. You didn't have to live there. But if you were living there, you were fearing God. And you didn't have to live there. You can leave. I, I don't know how it worked in Roman society. I, I don't know what that would have cost you. But here's the thing. <laughs> you, I don't know why we give permission in our homes. <laughs> Your guys' silence kind of rattled me a little bit. The only real legacy I can give to my children, the only thing that's really of any value, is to lead them and guide them as quickly as possible as I am as a father into the heart of God. The quicker I can eliminate myself as a father in their life, the more effective and successful I am. And I can tell you, I know parents that are 50 years old that treat their 30 year old kids like they're still parents and their kids are still kids. And it turns my stomach. And I don't know what it does to God. I ain't asked him about it, but it's terrible. His house, his house, feared God. Now, to put this in perspective, Cornelius, not a Christian. Now that should mess with you. Not a Christian. Had no eternal security of any kind. You, you, You know, like, didn't go to church so that God would get stuff for him. He actually was doing this because he reverenced the God of the universe. Because he feared... And honored the God of the universe. He wasn't sewing so he could get. He wasn't going to church to earn some kudos points with Jesus. He wasn't living the Christian life so everybody would be like, "Woo, Cornelius, like you, the guy. He was actually doing it from a real true heart. And didn't even know if he was eternally secure. And in fact, at this point in Christianity, no such thing. You're a Gentile? I'm sorry, you go to hell. Sucks for you. Should have been a Jew. I, and I know you're laughing, but it's for real. Gentile? Didn't matter what you believed. Didn't matter what you confessed. Didn't matter what you did. If you're a Gentile, you're going to hell. So here's a guy who thought, pretty was pretty convinced that he was going to hell. And still served God like this. And would embarrass the average Christian in the average church. Which tells me this. Most of the people that honestly believe that they're saved and going to heaven. Either aren't. Yeah, I knew I expected that quietness like. Pastor, you can't talk like that. Somebody will get worried. You need to be worried. In a reverential way, you should be very, very concerned about how you live your life and what it looks like to the God of the universe. I know. that This is why we're not a seeker-sensitive church. If you're a seeker, you're out of here right now. Get up and stomp out. Well, no, I came here to get monkey butt powder. Right, Bob? You talked mean to me. You told me I'm responsible for my own actions. You're going to have a shocking moment. When you go and stand to the, in front of the judge of the universe. Who says. Well let's talk about wood, hay and stubble. Gold, silver, precious stones. You're going to say. Well no, 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 no. It doesn't matter what we do. We all just get to receive the gospel. And float from cloud to cloud. And go to heaven. And everybody gets socialism. Yeah. <laughs> Equal mansions in heaven, right? Really. Because Jesus told all these parables about what people did with the talents that he gave them. He gave one guy five talents and he made five more and he got ten talents and one guy he gave two and then he made two more and he got four. And then Jesus said, hey, you're going to be in charge of five cities, ten cities, and no cities. You mean there's actually things that we're going to be accountable, held accountable for? You mean God keeps actual books in heaven and when we get there, we're going to be accountable for all the things we did down here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for real. When I stand in front of my Savior, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. I do not want to stand in front of him and hear him say, well, what have you done? I gave you a whole life. I gave you 80 years. Should we go back to this because you guys aren't liking this, feared God, I think someone just died we We believe in raising the dead, but it, I don't know if it, if you die because of this, I don't know how to deal with that, which gave much alms to the people. You have to talk Christians into giving, did you know it if you if you've ever been a part of any ministries or what like that, you know, you'll get 20 letters a week and, uh, every, you know, 19 of them are asking you for money. I'm not going to go there. Um, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> a guy who was pretty convinced that he was going to hell, who was not allowed to be a part of the church, who didn't know God loved him, who had no understanding of any kind of sowing and reaping, gave much alms. And you've got to talk Christians in the giving. If generosity doesn't flow from you, like if you have to kind of restrain yourself on generosity, I'll say this, that you have just not let the Lord touch your heart the way that He wants to. Because the first thing that happens when love births in your heart is generosity. For God so loved the world that he gained. It doesn't work any other way, y'all. If you're struggling with giving, it's not the giving that you're struggling with. It's one of two things. Either you're struggling with love, which is usually a lot of it, or you're struggling... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. You're struggling with the love of your money. Well, I worked for it. This is mine. Okay. Well, then that's your reward. If you work for money, then your reward is money. If you work to give, then your reward is giving. And Jesus said, it's more blessed To give than to receive. And I know we use those like in Christmas cards. Like, you know, it's a cool statement. Like Hallmark. Woo, way to go. That's a good card. But we don't actually believe what the Lord said. There's actually a greater blessing on giving than there is receiving. Kay and I gave a house away once. Working on doing it again. In Jesus' name. I cannot tell you to this day. To this day. I will not ever forget the moment when Kay and I were sitting on the fireplace looking at a couple who could not ever probably be qualified to buy a house unless they cheated the system while we were giving them our house. Watching what was happening to those two. The backstory is they were both felons that got wrecked by Jesus, and they just weren't going to be allowed to go the conventional way and do the loans and the things and the stuff, and, and they had a house given to them. I will guarantee what Kay and I got out of that was a million times bigger than what they got out of it. Amen. To this day, I'm like, man, if that's what happens on the inside of you when you give a house away, like, what's bigger than a house? <laughs> like, Lord, give me that so I can give that away. <laughs> Gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Doesn't mean like he spent all day long, Oh, my it, it don't turn us into summary it means that the only god that he always prayed to was our god in other words he gave up all the roman gods and there was a saloo of them and he was probably required by his government to worship the roman gods let that sink in and he was rejecting the government's authority over his worship. <laughs> Radical concept. Welcome to Beloved Church. Amen. <clears throat> he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour. Are visions biblical? So it would be biblical if you had a vision. But what if God changed and it was just visions for like in the book of Acts? And then God changed and he said, okay, no more visions. So if you had a vision, in 2020, it could be a God thing. That is radical. You must go to some crazy church. (laughs) Believe in the Bible and stuff. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. in the afternoon. He had a vision at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Let me just say this real quick. What was he probably doing with his mind at 3 p.m. in the afternoon that opened the door for God to give him a vision? Would it be maybe equivalent to whatever you were doing with your mind on, let's say, Thursday night at 3 p.m.? For those of you that work a full-time job, you can chew on that later. Not right now. I don't want you to get mad at me yet. God came to him and said, Cornelius, God knows your name. God knows your name. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? This whole reverence thing. One of the things you'll find in the Bible is every time God appears to someone, their immediate reaction is, whoa. Whoa. This is how you know like in the room, like when we're doing what we're doing, this is how I know when the Lord's touching someone and when someone is just like, "Can you? have you guys sang that line like four times? I think I heard that line four times. If you sing that line one more time, I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> and the person standing right next to him is like, oh. Oh. I'm going to the bathroom. Oh. What's the difference here? Is it God? This is something that's kind of radical to me. We've had more than I care to have mentioned, number of people that have quit our church that have said, well, it's the church's fault. You're a bad pastor, it's a bad church, you did terrible stuff, blah, 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 blah. In the same environment where that you guys are right now, where the church is growing, that marriages are growing, Amen? That bodies are being healed. That finances are growing. Amen? So in the environment that all those things are taking place, supposedly from a terrible pastor in a terrible church, you aren't experiencing that. So you got a bunch of people experiencing all this great God stuff, and then a couple little whiners. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. (laughs) A couple other lovely people who are not experiencing that. And it's my fault. I'll tell you what, I won't take the credit for all this if you don't try to condemn me for this. We'll just let this be Jesus is doing all this, and we are just happen to create a culture that's allowing Jesus to have all that in your life, and the folks that are having this probably could repent. Just an opinion. Everybody's got opinions. Mine are usually better than most. When <laughs> Cornelius. And when he looked at him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, now check out what God says. Your prayers and your gifts. Have come to heaven. Not to get off on the money thing again. But you can give money. And it's paper. Or you can give heavenly substance. And God has a record of it. (laughs) Your prayers and your alms. Are come up. They they went up. They left this realm. How does money leave this realm? You you want to know the answer? It's really cool. Because if you attach your heart to your money, when the money gets to where it's supposed to go, the money stays there and then your heart ascends. But if you just give money, then it just stays here. That's why it says that if you don't give with the right heart, you don't get a, it doesn't do anything for you. It might do something for someone. If I gave someone $1,000, would something would happen to them. But if I give them $1,000 and my heart goes with it, now they get $1,000. My father gets my heart, and then he says, man, we need to make sure we get another million dollars to Steve." Because not only does he bless people in my name, but he does it with his heart. Your prayers and your alms have come up. And it, look at this word for a memorial. I've preached on this verse on Memorial Day. Because we memorialize oh, a bunch of stuff. There's a ton of stuff. I can come to your house and you can probably bore me to tears walking me through your house and pointing, you know, I got that picture from my grandpa. And you see this vase here and this end table. And somebody killed a deer on this butcher's block, you know, a hundred years ago. And God bless you. They mean something to you. It don't mean nothing to me. I'm not I'm guess who's not getting invited over for dinner today? I, I'm not saying like don't show me your stuff. Your I'll just move on. I'm saying it's a memorial for you. What does God memorialize? Your conversations. And your genuine gifts. It literally becomes Memorial Day in heaven when you are interceding. When you are intimately communicating with Him. And when you are giving from the heart. Like heaven stops and says, "Huh, ah, Memorial Day! And it's not even a Monday. It could be like a Thursday. And all of heaven is going to have a Memorial Day. Verse 5, and now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and he shall tell you what you ought to do. And the King James, oughts, means absolutely Necessary. Well, you know, I mean, God doesn't tell us that things are absolutely necessary. God would never tell you, like, it has to be this way. Like, God will just let us, like, float around and kind of pick our own way and do our own path. He kind of likes it when we do figure eights. It's pretty. No, sometimes God is going to say, this is the way it is. This is the only way it is. And this is the way you need to do it. Yeah. Well, who do you think you are, God? God. The folks that miss—have you ever noticed? Go, go, pay attention to people in your lives, and the people that miss it are the people that like to argue. Right. And they'll argue with—they'll argue with their spouse because their, their spouse is obviously not as smart as them. They'll argue with uh, the minister. I mean, I can show you the emails because they're obviously way smarter than me. God bless them. They'll argue with God. No, I'm not—I want to do it that way. I can do it any way I want to. Right, good luck for you. And God will let them. All right, go do it that way. Hey, uh Bob, we're going to need to raise some dead later because, uh, because they're going to do it their way. <laughs> it's fine. I'll send someone to raise your sorry butt from the dead. Or you can just do it the right way and then we ain't got to waste all the time. God literally has to anoint people in the church to deal with all the people that are going to screw stuff up so they can go help them when they get stuff screwed up. You know, we're not actually supposed to be laying hands on the sick in the church. <laughs> All right, I better move on. Absolutely necessary. It's a good King James word. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants. And They had slavery. How in the world could God have any kind of relationship with anybody that ever had slavery. <laughs> I'm not even going to unravel that. I'm just going to... He, he called two of his household slaves. And a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all the things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. And on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about noon. He was praying at noon. Crazy preacher. And he became hungry. Shocking. Shocking. And would have eaten, but while they were making ready, he, he fell into a trance. Okay, I know that I mess with everybody by saying, "You, know, are visions in the Bible? Are they from God? You want me to really mess with you? Are trances in the Bible? <laughs> you won't answer. <laughs> I see it, but I don't want to see it. I know it's there, but maybe if I da, da 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 our trances in the Bible, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I know I'm making a mess, but I just trust the Holy Spirit that He's going to unravel your mess. The word for trance is um, ekklēkisis <clears throat> ec- ecla- or something. I, I'm not obviously very good at Koine Greek, but it's where we get the word ecstasy. I'm good at English. I'm pretty good at English. Where's Mitch? I'm okay with English. Mitch fixes all my letters. You know you use the exact opposite word that you intended to use? How do you know? Because it really doesn't mean what you want it to mean. Well, fine then. Make it say what you want it to say. And he does. The word which comes from ecstasy in the Greek means to properly take out of regular position, standing, and bring into a state of ecstasy or rapture. Like a person carried out in a trance-like amazement. You know God can do that? And it's good and okay. And see, we're so spiritual now in 2020 that we don't, like this stuff doesn't happen no more. Is it because God's changed or because we're so spiritual that God's not allowed to do it no more? Okay, so you want me to meet you at 1045 on Sunday morning and you want to make sure that the preacher does stuff really eloquently. Check. Sucks for you. Cause we could do a ton of other stuff. Trances, visions, encounters. You can go to heaven with me. We can pray and hang out together for like six hours. You won't even know it's been six hours. I can trans relocate you. We can do all this fun stuff, but 9.45 Sunday morning, sitting in your bed trying to make sure, or sitting in your chair trying to make sure that you don't fall asleep? Check. That's what you want. Cause I'll meet you wherever you want. If that's what you want, we'll do that. And saw heaven opened, that would be something that would put you in ecstasy. (laughs) That's happening up there? Yeah, I know. That's just the outside of heaven. (laughs) And saw heaven open, and a certain vessel descended upon him, as it had been a great sheet, knit at the four corners, and let down to earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts. I don't know what the difference is, but four-footed and wild. And creeping things... There was some Democrat, I'm sorry. And creeping things and fowls of the air, and there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now The average Christian heard that from God, and they would say, Well, God would never tell me to kill an animal. We're supposed to be vegans and eat celery. And you should take Acts chapter 10 out of your Bible. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. God said it. And Peter said, No! (laughs) He was a vegan. Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God's cleaned, don't you call unclean. Man, I tell you what, this should shake your cage. You know, if God calls something, something, that's what it's called. You can recall it. You can lie to yourself. You can make crap up. You can mislead, misdiagnose. I mean, the the doctor can call you sick. It's not what God calls you. But the doctor said, I have stage four uh, death or whatever. You can tell I'm really hip to the medical jargon. (laughs) Jesus said, by my stripes, you're healed, son. But the doctor said, I've got stage four death. Son, by my stripes, you're healed. By God, not so, Lord. You know the amazing part is if you win the argument, you die. Man, I cannot tell you how irritating that is to me as a minister because I, all the time people argue with me. All the time. And I'm like, okay, you win. Get divorced. I counsel people all the time, fine, you win, stay broke. Fine, you win, stay sick. Fine, you win, you're smarter than me. Keep your problems, keep your issues, keep your messed up nah. You came to me, I thought because you had a problem. And then I give you counsel and you don't want it? Well then, why did you come? <laughs> and people do this to God all the time. God, I have this problem. Okay, we'll fix this. No, I don't want to fix that. What are we doing here? What God has called clean, do not call unclean. And this was done thrice. Hey, sometimes we're dense. Peter was dense. The apostle Peter was dense. Sometimes we're dense. You know what God does for dense folks? Gives them a couple of chances. He doesn't give them all the chances all the time. But He'll give them some chances. Now when Peter doubted, (laughs) so God did it three times, you'd think like if God put you in a trance and then did the same vision like three times over, like put it on auto-replay three times, at the end of it, you'd be like, all right, got it, Lord. I got it. No, Peter's like, hmm. I don't know what this... (laughs) The pillar of the church, Peter, upon upon this rock I shall build my church. And Peter, doubted, after the third vision. The word doubted means totally perplexed because having no solution. Totally perplexed because of having no solution. Not doubt like unbelief, doubt like, man, this is so perplexing. I know as a Jew that I know the Levitical law. I am not supposed to touch any of these animals. Not only are you not supposed to eat them in in the Levitical law, you're not even supposed to touch them. Now, here's what's messing with him. He's staying at Simon the Tanner's house. Does anybody know what a Tanner is? I live in in rural Illinois. There's got to be at least a couple of guys in here who knows what a Tanner is. They stuff animals. That's what a tanner does. They tan hides. Not like parents, but they tan hides. <laughs> he's staying in a house where they're tanning hides. And God gives him a vision of killing and eating the same kind of stuff that he's in the house. of. It. And he's a Jew. Don't you know he is like, so are you trying to say something, Lord? <laughs> You're in a tanner's house and I gave you a vision of killing and eating. Don't you know, like, this was important for God to get this across to Peter. Like, we're changing stuff. We're changing stuff. How you Jews have been doing this. This ain't how we're supposed to be doing this. We're supposed to be doing it this way. So, while he's sitting there being perplexed... Amen. While he's perplexed in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent to Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and they asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. And while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Peter was really dense in Acts 10. Well, he's chewing on it, and there's Gentiles outside the gate, and he's staying in the tanner's house, and he just had a vision of killing and eating the unclean stuff. I know, you would all think like, well, this looks pretty, figure it out kind of scenario. Peter's all like, man, this is some, str- I've seen strange things today. <laughs> Pay attention, cowboy. <laughs> While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men seek you. Shocking. Arise, therefore, and get thee down and go to them, doubting nothing. Now this one means, this is a different word for doubt. This means properly investigate. Don't go back and forth. Discrimination. Don't overjudge. He said don't do that. There's going to be two slaves and a soldier that are Gentiles that are part of the Roman life. Are you following me? Peter, the apostle of the church, is about to have two slaves and a soldier from Rome come and show up who are unclean people because they're Gentiles. Don't you know the Spirit had to be specific with them? Don't you dare judge these guys. Then Peter, 21, then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I'm the one that you're looking for. What's the cause that you've come? And they said, Cornelius is centurion, a just man that fears God. (laughs) What do you think one of the main characteristics on Cornelius is? And has a good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for you unto his house, and to hear the words of you. Then called he them in and lodged them. Then called he them in and lodged them. He let the unclean come into the house. Totally contrary to Jewish law. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Certain didn't I tell you about to look for that word? Mm-hmm. These were other Jews. They might not have been going to help. They're going to go right on Peter. Peter went and hung out with the Gentiles. hmm. Yeah, Peter. Peter's off the tra- He fell off the train. <laughs> and on the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. Cornelius expected something to happen and would not keep it to himself. Reminder, Cornelius, not born again, not saved, didn't know he was loved by God, didn't know all the the stuff that you get to hear regularly, didn't know none of it, and yet was still operating in a better form of Christianity than 90% of the church. Hey, Pastor Steve's going to be teaching a message on healing. The Lord sent him to teach a message on healing. Alright, right, healing's kind of boring. So I'll watch the Packers today and stay home. Hey, Cornelius, I'm going to send a guy that's going to tell you something from heaven. Okay, God, that I don't really know and hasn't saved me and I didn't know that loved me. But because you're going to say something, I'm going to get everybody I know, all my family, all my friends, and I'm going to get them in the house for that guy that you're sending me. And if he comes and he damns us all to hell, then that's what you got to say. But I'm going to honor what you have to say. <laughs> and had uh, called all of his uh, kinsmen and near friends. Verse twenty-five. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. A centurion, like the number one Italian band centurion guy. <laughs> I am not. Please, 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 hear me. I know this is going to be tenuous. But I pray that at least the majority of this room knows me well enough to know my heart. Do you know how dishonorable it is to God for him to send a word to someone through me? Through a preacher, through a minister. And they treat it like dung. And you can tell. Like I mean, I get it. People are in, in varying places and they've been through church hurt and they've got stuff and things and luggage and anchors and, and sins and weights that does so easily beset us and so they got, people got a ton of crap. But God wants to fix it. And I love you. And I know there's some other ministers that love you. And to shut God off because you don't like what it looks like, the way it comes, if you don't like how I look, I'm cool with that. I don't really stand in front of the mirror and say <laughs> I, I'm picking, poking, pulling out, shaving, trying to fix like a lot. I get it. it it's, if you don't like how I look, it still take, it takes a lot of work to look this. <laughs> Think how I'd look if I wasn't working. It's not about the package it comes in. It's the prize in the package. If someone gives you a present and you're like, wow, this wrapping paper, is the, this is the most amazing paper. I'm just going to hold this paper. Open it up. It's not the paper. This is not the gift. Uh, some of it. Talked myself into a corner here, didn't I? Matthew chapter 10, and I'm going to come right back, I promise. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, Jesus said something. (laughs) Alright, well, moving back then. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, he that receives you receives me. Well, I love God, but I don't like Pastor Steve. Matthew. Sis. Man, I'm lying to them. No wonder they don't like what I have to say. First Samuel! That's the Old Testament! Matthew, Matthew. Uh, didn't I tell you to get a Bible? Do you have a Bible? This is why you have a Bible. All of you that are planning on this, you're being led astray. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. He that receives you, receives me. Man, I, I get this is a whole message. And I don't have time. I get it. But when you reject who God sends into your life, you reject God. And if that super bothers you, you're the one he's talking to. <laughs> he that receives you receives me, and he that receives me Receives him that sent me. This was a spiritual principle. If you reject Jesus, you rejected the Father. Because the Father sent Jesus. So if you reject the ones Jesus sends to you, you reject Jesus. And I know you don't think that. And I know you don't like that. And I know you don't want to hear that. And I know that you are acting like that ain't you. But it happens to me. Maybe you're holier than me. God bless you. But there are times that people come into my life that, that God has probably sent them specifically to say and do certain things in my life and I'm like, well, I'm like that. And I kill the messenger and the whole time what I'm doing is killing the one that sent the messenger. This is the quickest way to put yourself into a personally built prison is by rejecting the people that God sends in your life. Because you don't like the package. You don't like the twang. You don't like it, well, Pastor Steve preaches an hour. If it was really from God, he'd get her done in 20 minutes. Yeah, sermonettes make Christianettes. So if you want that, then go find that. That's fine. But I'm going to build people that are going to accomplish things for God. And I got one time a week to be with most of you. And a bunch of you need it.
2: <laughs>
1: wow, well, I got an amen on that. <laughs> Cornelius knew this principle that the one that God was sending to him was worthy of honor. So now let me flip this. And so I just busted all y'all's humps because you're not honoring the preacher. So now Peter, the preacher, in verse 26. So let me bust the preacher's humps. And Peter took him up saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. You know what Peter said? It ain't about me. this This is something that has set me free a ton. Those of you that are doing ministry actively, this will set you free in a big way. If somebody is very gratuitous and thankful and, and and praising and and overwhelmed by the cool things that you did or said to them, and you let it get into your head, then those same people, when they're condemning you and telling you that you're Satan and wicked and evil, those words will get into your heart. If you don't let their praise get into your head, you'll never let their condemnation get into your heart. Are you following me on this? I'm trying, this? This will set you free like nothing else. If you don't let the good things that people do build you up, then you won't let the negative things that people do to you tear you down. So if you feel like people are always tearing you down, I will tell you that you have probably way too much honor and value in other people's opinions. I can't stop how you feel about me but I can I can deal with how I feel about how you feel about me. Get up. I'm a dude just like you. Which is kind of funny. Peter's starting to get this revelation like for real. Because he said, I'm a man also. Also what? Also like you. Peter just made himself equal with a Gentile. And I know most people don't have any context, but that was not to be done by a Jew, because <laughs> Jews actually looked at Gentiles like they were literally animals, because they were God's people. Uh, racism has preceded Illinois, or has preceded 2020. And Peter took him up and said, "Stand up! I'm a, I'm also a man." and Verse 27, as he talked with them, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has shown me, and I was dense, that I should not call any man common or unclean. Should you call anybody common or unclean? should you say someone's not worthy of the gifts that God has for them based upon what you think about them? No. Well, God would heal that person if they would. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Come on. Amen. <clears throat> Verse 29, Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, that means without hesitation, as soon as I was sent. For I ask therefore for what intent ye have sent me. You know, even a minister, a good minister knows that you can only give what people want. You know, one of the reasons that you're not getting things from God, you know, it says in James, it says you have not because you ask not. And most people drill down on that. Okay, well, I need to ask. You receive not because you ask amiss. So are you... Are you struggling with the having part or the receiving part? Well, aren't they the same? No. They're not the same. Having means that you have access to it, it belongs to you, it's been given to you. Receiving means it's in your hand. Most people are mad at God because they say, Well, I've asked. Okay, you receive because you're asking amiss. It doesn't mean ask amiss like you're asking for the wrong stuff. It means you're asking in the wrong way, and you're believing in the wrong way, and you're talking in the wrong way, and you're living in the wrong way. That's why you're not receiving it. God gave it to you at the cross. The reason you're not receiving is because you're not asking the way that you need to for things to be really legitimate. A pure heart. Understanding. Revelation. Faith. Faith. Mark 11, 22, 23, 24. I know we don't like to talk about the actual Bible as part of it, but it's for real. Verse 30, and Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting. Why in the world is an unbeliever fasting? I wish I'd say, raise your hand if you fasted this week. I'm just, I'm just pointing these things out because unbelievers who actually fear God, reverence God, and, and want to see God work in their life, they'll do a ton of things that Christians won't do. Christians will be like, well, I got it. Going to heaven now. Got my fire insurance paid. Whoop. Now, let's go live like the devil. See how long I can push God. Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And said, Cornelius, your prayer is heard. And your alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he comes, shall speak unto thee. The reason I'm reading through that is because he said verbatim what the angel said. In other words, he remembered what God said to him. How many people forget the things that God has said and done for them? Verse 33. That first word there in that verse... That's not something that Christians like. Immediately. So you're saying I'm supposed to act on what I heard? No, you can just sit at the house and eat bonbons and turn on the game. But what Cornelius did was immediately, therefore I sent to thee. And you have come, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that, that are commanded thee of God? We're gonna hear it all. If you got bad stuff to say, we'll take it. If you got some correction for us, we'll take it. If you're going to rebuke us, we'll take it. If you've got good news for us, we'll take it. If you've got freedom for us, we'll take it. Whatever God's going to say to us through you, we'll take it. We're all here. We're completely humble and submitted to what you have. Says the centurion of all centurions of the Italian band to the person that he didn't know whether was going to damn him to hell or give him an opportunity to be resurrected in life. Man! Man! Humility and submission are really important things in the kingdom of God. And Peter opened his mouth and said, this kind of goes to what Stacy said, there's a time to open your mouth and there's a time to shut your mouth. And Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. What he just uttered right there is one of the most quoted verses, and one of the most quoted sayings in all of the New Testament. It was quoted five other times by three other writers. This changed everything. Those six or seven words changed everything. Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Do you know that? Because I'm certain that people in this room believe that God is respecting them. Or not respecting them based upon their personhood. I'm the wrong size, I'm the wrong color, I'm the, I talk the wrong way, I look the wrong way, I act the wrong way, God's only respecting. Be it unto you according to your faith. But God is no respecter of person. But in every nation, the word nation is ethos, which means all people groups. In every single people group, he that fears him and works righteousness. And I know that's going to mess with everybody. Well, I've got to work righteousness. Dear Lord, I've got to go to work and do the righteousness. The word righteousness means the state of him who is such as he ought to be. Integrity, virtue, purity of life uprightness, correctness in thinking, feeling and acting. It means that you are working out what Jesus has already done. It doesn't mean you go get to be something that you haven't ever been. It doesn't mean you got to go find something that you don't have. It means that you work out something that Jesus has already done. That's why it says in Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say work in more salvation. Work out the salvation that you have. You need to understand your identity and your personhood in Christ. And that's the person that God respects. That's why there's no respect of persons. What Jesus respects, what God respects, what the Holy Spirit respects is Christ. In you, the hope of glory. That's the respect that God has. And you need to respect that. And work that out in your own life. The Word which God sent, verse 36, The Word which God sent unto the children of Israel, Preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Paul can't, I mean, Peter can't even preach without like, man. This is how I, I, I love this because this is how I feel. Like sometimes I preach, I'm just like, Jesus. woo! This is, this is Peter doing the exact same thing. He preached peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. I'm parenthetical. Verse 37, that word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who went about doing good, healing. What's all mean in the Greek? Are you an All. Are you sure? I'm not really convinced. Like He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the dead. Anybody, anywhere that was oppressed that Jesus got into close contact with, they were healed. Amen. Hebrews 13.8 Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Spirit of Christ on the inside of you right now is doing good and healing all. There are some really powerful theological and doctrinal things that are going on in this verse. And I don't have time to enumerate all of them, but I'll tell you this. If it's doing good healing, that means it's doing bad by making sick. And I know that everybody's like, well, duh. But I'm telling you, there's a bunch of Christianity that says, well, God's probably making you sick. Teach you something. Well, if God's making you sick, then Jesus can't heal you because he's God. God doesn't work against God. So you need to pick your God. And the God that makes you sick is Satan. Don't worship Him. Doing good, that means healing is good. If you want to do good, go take healing to someone. (laughs) Well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Hmm, We'll start with that. Well, I don't know if that's my destiny. Well, I can assure you. That's part of it. So many people, like, they want this infinitely perfect little exact, like, this is my destiny at like, this exact minute of this day. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. You're not going to get to there if you're not faithful with this. Amen. If you walk by a million sick people a week, and the compassion of God doesn't hit you to go lay hands on them and have them relieved, you think God's going to give you this little intimate Tuesday at noon divine destiny thing? Dear Jesus, I cannot tell you how many times people have come to me. I've had people travel across the world to come talk to me because I carry the message of divine destiny. And he said, what do I need to do? So I don't know. <laughs> well, you're the destiny guy. I get it, but I'm like, I'm not like God. I know exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Well, then what should I do? Uh, do the Great Commission. Start there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean the Great Commission? Well, that's the problem, because you don't know it. How are you going to do the greater thing if you're not doing the least thing? If you're not going to do the great commission, why would he give you a personal commission? Oh man, that's a tweet. (laughs) (laughs) If you can't do the great commission, you can't do the personal commission. So all of you that are asking him for the personal thing that he's supposed to do for you, uh, just start with the Great Commission. In fact, sometimes you can get so involved doing the Great Commission, you actually just trip and fall into your personal. Amen. Like, what? How did I end up here? I don't know. I was just doing the Great Commission, and then I was right here in the middle of God's divine destiny. How'd that work? Oh. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, uh, a person, a human. Oh, I'm messing with you. I'm going to shoot that cow and it'll die and stay dead this time. Jesus of Nazareth. Peter didn't say, the Christ from heaven. Are you getting this? Peter on purpose said, hey, there was this guy in Nazareth. God anointed him. Okay, where are you from? Just think about it. Don't shout it out because we'll all get confused. How God anointed you from there. How God anointed Steve of Pearl City. Who went about doing good. And healing all that were oppressed. By the devil. Where does oppression come from? If you're oppressed, why are you letting the devil oppress you? If you're depressed, why are you letting the devil depress you? I'm not condemning, nobody. I'm just asking. Oppression and depression, is from the devil. And Jesus has come so that you aren't oppressed and depressed. How did that happen? Well, God was with him. That's deep. That's theologically deep. Wow, he did all this stuff because God was with him. Hmm. Anybody in here got God with them? Six people. We are going to have one major altar call after church today. Maybe I threw you off. Maybe you guys were so deep in the thought you didn't get me. Um, so I'll ask again. Just that, like, this is a mulligan. I mean, Peter had three visions, and so you get another shot. Does anybody at Beloved Church or on YouTube, does anybody have God with them? <laughs> So you can go about do good and heal all that were oppressed of the devil, because the reason Jesus did it was because God was with him. Yes. But Jesus was God. It says this is why, for God was with him. All you got to qualify for is that the for God was with him. If you qualify for that, then you can have that. Yes. Do you qualify? It's like God with you. Here's the amazing thing. God's not even with you. But we'll just go back to this. Like this is like D minus level. Like you're just passing high school. Like, Like I'll just squeak out. Is God with you? Yeah. Is God in you? I don't know. Well, if God's with you, you can at least do this. If God's in you... Oh, dear Jesus. The devil's like, woo. Those people I Beloved, not only is God with them, but they figured out God was in them. Ah, crap! Messed up my whole kingdom. That's what you're here to do. Mess up His kingdom. Go about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So if you have anything going on in you, let's handle it. Alright, please
0: stand on your feet. Thank you so much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His precious, life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life.
1: Beloved, I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things, that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances, and also divine health. Prospering your body, and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you, and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.